Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 5, and we're on page 69, the second paragraph. In this way, we tried reading one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Laura K., for the 12 Traditions, Andrea B., and reading the text are Maria B. and Elena C., and Katie G. is our backup. The newcomer greeter is Yvette L., and the host of the second hour is Nancy P. The reference numbers for Tuesday, July 6, 2021, the 7 a.m. meeting is 17,296. That's 17296. And for the 10 a.m., 17297. That's 17297. And the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura Kay to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, this is Laura Kay from New York. The 12 steps, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to this message to our eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Laura. Okay, I will now ask Andrea B. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you so much for your service. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication, or excuse me, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities, and I pass. Thank you, Andrea B. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book and we're on page 69, the second paragraph. In this way, we tried reading that one paragraph only. And I will ask Marie B to begin reading. Thank you, good morning. This is Marie B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Jacksonville, Florida. So in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. So this paragraph, I love this paragraph. Um, you know, in the previous paragraph it, that we read yesterday, 
it was really telling us on how to look at my conduct, just like it's asking me to look at my conduct over everything that disturbed me um, or any of the areas of my life to ask where it was selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate, and who had I hurt. So it's asking me to do the same thing with my sex life, but not only just my sex life in a physical sense, but certainly in my relationships um, of any kind as it goes, of, of whether it be in a sexual nature, whether it be uh, a friendship, whether in any relationship in my life. So um, it's, it's asking me to try and shape a sane and sound ideal for this part of my of my life. Um, and I one of the things that I had to look at um, when I was working this, this portion of the step was to look just like any step is what's my motive? You know what was my motive? And and everything was about me when I was in the food and even when I'm not in the food. Um, I have to still continue to look at this. Um, you know, what was my motive? So my motive was to take care of me. My motive was to find ease and comfort. And so much of the time it was, um, if I wasn't finding ease and comfort, you know, it was somebody else's fault. It wasn't mine. And this is asking me to look at me. And where was I wrong? And what I found was I was really depending on other people to make me feel good about me. You know, I was using them as my higher power, which was never fair to them. And they didn't know it when they got in a relationship with me. They thought they were just trying to meet someone and enjoy their lives. And I made it all about something else. And I was doing harm long before I took my clothes off, if that was part of the relationship. Um, so... This asked me to take a look and uh, to mold my ideals, and this is the other part I love so much, is what is my ideal? I may not be able to achieve it, but it's asking me to at least have a mark on the wall as to what my ideal will be uh, when I'm in a relationship, sexual or otherwise. Uh, and and I think this is an ongoing uh, an ongoing process for me, is to take a look and say, okay, in a relationship, what's my part? What's their part? You know, what role do I play here? What, what, how God would have me serve? You know, what can I do for the other person? Um, as opposed to thinking about me all the time. It's just a beautiful journey to look at my sound ideals. And thank you for listening. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the shares. Thank you. The past. Thank you for getting us started, Marie B. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this second paragraph on page 69? Matt M. Barbara. Marcia M. Matt M. Tom A. Majo. Marcia okay, let me tell you who I got. Okay, I heard Matt M, Barbara E, Reba P, Tom, I'm not sure what your initial is, Marge O. Who did I miss? Marcia M. Marcia, what was that? Marcia what? D. Marcia D and someone M. Mati M. Okay. 
That's a good list. Let's stop there. So I have Matt M, Barbara E, Reva P, Tom, I want to say O, but I'm not sure, um, Marge O, Marsha D, and Mati M. Can you hear me? Go ahead, Tom. Yes. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Ben. I'm over Eater. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of selfish selfishness in my life and my sex life, but, you know, I was so immature because I was stunted mentally and physically once this disease started that I was I was attracted to people who are much younger than me because of my my emotional maturity wasn't very high. And also, I also kept the weight on myself as a way as a barrier between me and other people so I wouldn't have a much of a sex life. I never really had a relationship until like seven years ago. So it's only had one relationship for a few months because the weight got, got and gets in the way. You know, people are not really attracted to someone who's morally obese. So... And so I've used the weight as a, as a buffer between me and the rest of the world. I don't feel like a sexual being. I never really did. So it's very interesting how I look at my life now, trying to lose the weight and trying to get better and trying to do the best thing I can because I want to have a future relationship. But I have to take care of myself first. If I don't take care of myself first, put the oxygen mask on myself first, I can't have any future relationships with people, whether it's friendships, sexual relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And I have to take care of myself first. If I don't do that, then I can't help anybody else or be there for anybody else in a healthy, emotional way. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, Matt. Thank you. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Reva P. Good morning, everyone. Barbara E. in New Jersey. Well, only step one required perfection. The rest are our goals. I'm being directed to grow. The big book says on page 19 and 20, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect for their opinions or attitudes, which make us more useful to others, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend on our constant thought of others. Well, I'm a type A personality, competitive, time urgent, and sometimes hostile, striving to be a type B person, a person who is relaxed, patient, easy, comfortable in my own skin, not cocky but quiet and calm. For me, it's not only my, in my sex conduct that I must mold my ideals. I can't be selfish. I must strive to think more of others and less about me. I can't make people feel disrespected. In every relationship, I can use the same defect, wanting special treatment, too concerned with me and do you like me instead of do I like me? And that's an inside job. To realize that any of our gifts are God-given and that makes us special and I must use those gifts. I've been given gifts and I must strive to make use of them more as God-directed. Am I living in agreement with this moral code that we read about? Am I listening more to the quiet voice of God or my conscience? I must treat sex as I treat all of my problems. Seek counsel of others or professionals if needed, but let God be the final judge. I try to avoid hysterical advice giving and weigh others' opinions, but ultimately go to God when I'm confused, scared, disturbed, or distracted. I cannot lie anymore. I cannot gossip. I must apply this sex ideal in all my relationships. I pray for clarity to do what's right, love and tolerance for me, 
there's no ideal man or person. We're all imperfect. We're trudging. We're not skipping down the road together. I had to stop manipulating people. I had to grow. We are trudging, not skipping. As I said, let's all skip together. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Reba P, you're up, followed by Tom, I think, O. Good morning. This is Reva P, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. So for me, when I get to this part of the inventory process, whether it's step four or through my step 10, and you know those nine questions in the paragraph above, I see what doesn't work. I see how my selfishness manifests in every single relationship, every single person that comes in my path, and I see how it doesn't work. And for me, it's like the food, because the belief was if I eat what I want and um, get what I want and just have all this food, I'm going to feel better. And, you know, if I get what I want and I make people do what I want, um, it's going to fill my instinctual needs, and it doesn't. I actually feel emptier and emptier. Um, So I see how things don't work, and I see what a mess I make in relationships. And then I get to this paragraph, um, and I love this business when it comes to ideals. You know, this is not about me making a job description of the partner that I want, the friend that I want, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And that's how it was before program. You know, if I'm going to get married, here's, God, here's my list, and, and just, you know, find that person for me. This is about asking God to mold my ideals. And even once I get inspiration and ideals from God, because my channel is clear by doing the inventory work, then I need help to live up to them. Left to my own compulsive overeater mind, I will destroy relationships, just like I will self-destruct with my drug of choice, which is food. Um, So I need God to help me live up to them. And I love this business. You know, God, you show me what is the partner, what is the coworker, what is the friend, what is the fellow OA you would have me be? Because I don't know. All I see when I do this inventory is what a mess I make. Um, so I need God to help me start creating these ideals. You know, what is another way? I've been doing this stuff for so long, it feels like it's like normal and the right way. Um, so I love that part, and I don't always know the answer, but I keep the channels clear by keeping the food down and doing the inventory work, and the answers do come. And just as an aside, you know, I heard an AA speaker talking about relationships in this part of the big book, and it was a huge audience. And he asked everybody who's had a relationship or been married or, you know, living with somebody to please stand up. And like the whole room stood up. And then he asked everybody who's still in those same relationships in a healthy way, stay standing. And only a handful of people were standing because, you know, for me, this is not easy. Relationships is like another frontier. It's really, really pushing me to up my game to work this program. And um, thank you, God, there is a plan and a blueprint for doing it differently. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reba. Okay, Tom, you're up, followed by Marge O. 
Hi, yeah, it's uh, Tom A. from uh, Greenbelt, Maryland. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your service. And thanks for the meeting. I, I'm uh, becoming a big fan of uh, the vision and this study of the big book. I've been studying the big book a long time, but the, the way we do it is, is just wonderful. The thing that strikes me about this paragraph is the, how the whole inventory fits together, that my attitudes about sex and sexuality I have to go back and look at my resentments of institutions, particularly the church and what they taught me about sexuality and where it talks about the spies and loathing. I grew up in a church where I was afraid of sexuality and, and despised and loathed it. And then I became compulsive about it. And they gave that a name, called it sin. And so that then led to guilt and shame. So there's a lot of craziness uh, that has to be sorted out. And there's only one or a couple places to sort it out. One is with my higher power with God and the other is with uh, my sponsor and people that I'm learning about how to have relationships. And, and it also takes me back to fear because my fundamental fear was of people and of being hurt. And so it's hard to be in an intimate relationship when you're afraid of being hurt. I uh, remarried 20 some years ago and I remember the first time my uh, wife and I went away. I was just scared to death. We were at dinner and I was so full of anxiety. I didn't know, you know, and I, I, I didn't know how, I didn't have words for these feelings. Uh, and so there's a lot to learn. And so I need sane and sound ideals. I, I need this simple question. What is my motive? Is this selfish? And uh, I have learned to just Turn sexuality like I turn food over to my higher power. Uh, it's really a third step issue. I put my whole being, including my sexuality, in the care of my loving higher power. And uh, that helps me a lot. It doesn't help me uh, in the, on a day-to-day -day basis when I get distracted and I get afraid again. So I was out, went to a baseball game with my wife and uh, my son and hit two grandchildren last night and had a great time. And we're walking across the parking lot and I'm holding her hand and I ask her a question and take my hand away and she feels that as rejection and then we have a big argument about it. And, you know, it's easy for me to look at her and say she's crazy. Uh, but really, she's thinks I'm afraid of closeness and that I pull away when things get too good. And she may be right. And so I have to bring that to God and to talk, pray about that and use my 10th step to look at subjecting each relationship and each, each interaction relationship was it selfish or not. Uh, I just uh, really appreciate the uh, clarity of this writing and, and uh, this process. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tom. Okay, Marge O, you're up, followed by Marcia D. Good morning. Thank you all, and thank you for your service today. My name is Marge O. I'm from Walpole, Massachusetts, recovered and extremely grateful. I wanted to cheer on this section in general um, just because the questions, oh, my word, the day before with all those questions, and I thought, I don't know that I ever spent much time thinking about this this part. First of all, I, I never wanted to talk about sex with anybody, and um, at least about my partner. 
imagine that. And also the fact that I, you know, to take each relationship and think about it and and actually write down. For me, writing is always important when I'm doing this kind of work. Was it selfish or not? And I was so immature for so many years um, that, you know, the, the, the actual number doesn't really matter. It just seemed to me that I was still thinking the same way at 52 that I did at 12. And um, eternally grateful for program to letting to allowing me for allowing me to grow up and be different and be a better friend and be a better mate and be a better everything because here's the rub for me we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them oh ask for help much ask to see if somebody knew more about something than you did ask to be to be able to write down what you really want and how disappointed I would be when things weren't the way I want, wanted them to be, but I couldn't talk about them. Did that make any sense? Absolutely not. So, you know, the sex powers are wonderful and um, you need it to be used lightly or selfishly, but it seems to me that I did all of the above when I answered those questions honestly and to say who had we hurt and uh, all of it. Yes, I wasn't honest about any of that. And lots of times I didn't even like somebody I was with. And it's just because I thought it would look good or that person had something I needed. Not always consciously, just finding out from doing all this writing and all this work. And, and being honest that, yeah, boy, did I need to change. And thank you, God, a day at a time and a page at a time and a paragraph at a time. There's lots of changes going on, and there has been. And the other part is I know there's still more work to be done. So thank you all, and thanks for listening. And I pass. Thank you, Marge. Okay, Marsha D., you're up, followed by Mati M., Good morning. This is Marcia D. Recovered in Ohio. This has been such a powerful week. Um, this has really been a core issue for me with my addiction. And it's been so valuable to read this text and also talked with fellows about, you know, going forward, what would be the sane and sound ideal for my future sex life? You know, as I look at my current relationship, where have I been selfish? I mean, that really is humbling to realize just how very selfish I've been. You know, I operated under this illusion that I was being loving. And um, I was harboring resentment because this person wasn't living up to what I thought he should be doing. But I am so grateful that, you know, my higher power, whom I call God, has really challenged my thinking in this area and essentially called me to task to to become abstinent at this point in my life while I'm working on, you know, healing and discerning what he wants me to do. Not for the first time in my life what I want, but where does God want me to be? Because I get really irrational and unhealthy with codependency, and I lose sight of my God. So 
the part that's really important too is our sex powers were God-given and therefore good. I spent a lot of time self-loathing and I spent a lot of time eating food and packing on the pounds as if it was like a cloak to protect me, you know, from falling into this trap. And all it did was made me miserable and depressed. And yes, it did cut off those sensual feelings, but it also cut off all the other feelings, you know, the opportunity for happiness and peace and contentment. So um, I'm still very much uh, open to where God would have me go with this. Um, But I really do feel him helping me live up to the ideals that I think he's calling me to today. And for that, I am very grateful. So thank you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Marsha. Okay, now we'll have Mati M, and then we'll open it up for more shares on page um, 69, the second paragraph. Uh, hi, uh, Mati M, uh, recovering compulsive overeater in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, this is a very uh, powerful uh, paragraph. And... Um, the first line about um, shaping a sane and sound ideal um, and depending on God rather than ourselves um, is a relief for me. Uh, and um, it brings a lot of hope. And if I look um, at my um, relationship history, um, In the past, there was always the issue of being in control instead of allowing God to guide me and make the right choices and giving him the control. So the way that it worked is that even though I was at a normal weight then, um, the pressure that I had to be perfect before going to a singles event or before going on a date and the perfect outfit and hair and da, da, da. And I was so exhausted, um, you know, when I was on the date or the singles event that um, I couldn't really uh, filter out whether this person is good for me. Um, And, of course, you know, I was very um, uh, seductive, again, in a way that uh, would blur uh, my own boundaries. And um, so I would choose um, the wrong man to get involved with. One of the things that uh, my psychoanalyst told me uh, years ago is, that um, he said, Mati, you give in a relationship, you give enough for, the, for two people, for you and your partner, and you have to stop and see whether there's reciprocity, whether you're, you're getting something as well. So all of these are painful issues, but... Um, when we invite God, when I invite God into my relationships, uh, then um, I don't have to be perfect because uh, only God is 
perfected. Uh, he's the one that guides me. So I'm grateful. And with this, I pass. Thank you so much, Mati M. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we are on the second paragraph on page 69. Um, in this way, we tried. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in, in order that others might share their experience. So who else would like to share on this? Kelly S. Kelly S. Elena C. Eileen S. Eileen S. Sharon B. Sharon B. We have time for more. Three or four this is more. Jen A. Jen A. Okay, well, let's stop there and then some more can join us. Um, okay, Kelly S., Elena C., Eileen S., Sharon B., and Jen A. Go ahead, please, Kelly. Hey guys, it's Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grateful to be online. All right, so um, this is a really great paragraph about um, all my relationships. And, you know, it's like other people talked about, even in my relationships where I thought I was so selfless and giving, you know, I always had a motive. You know, I wanted you to love me more, give me more, make me feel wonderful about myself. You know, so looking at all that stuff, but I had. Um, I had done this workshop about using the um, traditions in our relationships. It was a really great workshop. Anyway, that being said, one of the things it talked about was um, to write out a want ad for the perfect partner. You know, everything I'd want from the perfect partner, and I'd say perfect friend, perfect coworker, whatever. And then to really look at that want ad and then to ask myself, um, would I be able to fill that? You know, would I be able to fill that bill? You know, <laughs> and then, and of course, no. Um, and then the other question was, this was a one that was real humbling for me, was would I want to be in a relationship with me? And I didn't have to hesitate because I'm like, oh, hell no. You know, I am so <laughs> demanding and everything's about me. And, you know, I just, um, that was a really humbling thing to see how I would, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with myself. So that being said, I look at this paragraph. And it reminds me so much when it says, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal uh, for our future sex life or relationships. And we subject them to this test, selfish or not, we ask God, which means pray, we ask God to help us. So this reminds me so much of when I decided, you know, um, okay, I'm going to be abstinent. I've got to put down the food wanting God to just zap me abstinent. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. So I had to come up with a food plan, you know, and my sponsor has helped me so much with this whole idea of, you know, my action plan in my life and with my relationships and character defects. So, you know, I had to write a food plan. I had to buy all the right foods. I had to make this commitment to that. I had to make commitments to eat certain things, you know. So the same thing is, you know, I make a sane and sound ideal. How do I want to show up in these relationships today, right? And then I ask God to help me but I can make choices today 
to uh, say loving things. Sometimes just shut my mouth when I need to shut my mouth, walk out of the room when I need to walk out of the room. I kept waiting for God to just make me nice. Well, I've spent a lot of time not being a nice person. I have a feeling it's going to take a while. So I have to start doing loving, kind, tolerant behaviors and, you know, to show up differently. You know, I have a part in this. God's just not going to zap me would be nice, but that doesn't happen. So I have to do the work. God gives me the strength, but I have a part in this, you know, and I'm just so grateful today. You know, I've I've said this before, that God's not going to do it to me or for me. He's going to do it with me and through me, and I have to remember that. And uh, grateful to be here. Without a pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Elena C., you're up, followed by Eileen S. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elena C. from Greer, South Carolina. Um, I'm very touched by this paragraph is very very rich for me and um, you know as an adolescent I had very little sex education from my home of origin and even from my school and all I learned were from my peers or or, or from the guys I've been dating and um, also and, and with that you know my like my sex powers, my sexuality was not necessarily a value in a, in a relationship, was more something that we don't talk about, um, something that, you know, we use to get, <laughs> to get what I needed. Um, and I, I'm an adult child, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, and, you know, I chose my partners uh, because emotional disconnect was very familiar to me, but I um, always try to get what I didn't have as a little girl from my dad, although my father did the best that he could, and his disease were progressive, and he was mostly available when I was more, I was younger, and then he was, in a way, available, but um, for the most part, there was very uh, emotional disconnect. So, I it, it the need it was the need for redemption. Um, I wanted I chose the partners that are were like my dad and um, to get from them that I couldn't get from my dad. And you know, and like other people were saying, I ended up doing so much and giving in just for for the sake of the relationship. I wanted to do the relationship and, you know, going about the same way and never getting the results I wanted. And with the healing, the healing that the 12 steps have brought for me, it's amazing because God wants me to recognize the beauty of my sexuality and how rich enrichment it can bring in a relationship. And God wants me to be equal um, and to take the other person's needs into consideration, you know, because I was selfless, but also very self-centered, very selfish. I wanted what I wanted and I want it now, you know, and um, that means maturity. So you, so really the 12 steps have helped me grow, have helped me mature in my relationship, and I'm very, very grateful for that, and with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you so much, Elena and Eileen S. You're up, followed by Sharon B. Hi, this is Eileen from Boise, Idaho. Thank you for letting me share today. Uh, I feel like I'm that old country song, um, looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, Things got off track when I was little, just like they did with my food. And for some reason in my head, I thought sex was what you had to do in order to get love. And um, so when I did my sex inventory, it was very interesting to see how even when I thought I was giving of myself, I was only at those times giving of my body, but not of my emotions. And um, it's just interesting how things got all twisted up. And I'm so grateful today to be recovered and to have this program and to be able to judge my relationships um, by a higher standard and a different standard. Because I've got to tell you, when you are looking for love in all the wrong places, your guilt and shame just skyrockets. And, um, and I was all about control. I thought if I did X, Y, and Z, you would love me. And I see now how controlling and how um, I never really took into account the other pe- person's feelings. I mean, that's mortifying to me. I, I was a classic user. Um, I realized now, you know, I was sick and I was doing the best that I could, but I did hurt a lot of people along the way. So for today, um, I'm sober and I am not doing that anymore. And I don't hear it a whole lot in OA, but I like the idea of AA about holding off on relationships. Um, I, I think it's for the first year. I'm in year three now and, um, my relationship, my bow, as my grandmother would say, is my higher power. And um, he's going to take care of the rest. And I'm not alone. Uh, I think I used to always say I'm terminally single. But you know what? A partnership isn't always for everybody. And there's a lot of ways that I can be useful in the world. So thank you for letting me share. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And now we'll have Sharon B. followed by Jen A. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. Oh, great. Thank you. Hey, family. My name's Sharon, grateful, recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. And I'm so grateful for this section of the book. Um, as I hear from so many shares, I'm I'm not unique. Um, growing up with very dis- functional idea about sex where <clears throat> children are um, treated differently and uh, horrible things happen. I thought I was the definitely one of the um, exceptions to this rule that there could be a sane and sound ideal, you know. And when it said this and I first read it, I thought, yeah, right. Like, that could happen to me. Like, I could have something sane and sound. The furthest I ever got in taking any look at my relationships was to see that the people I was with were not sane or sound, that that they were sick, that they had problems, you know, that if I was in a relationship with somebody else, it would be better. And I had a sponsor point out to me that, you know, I'm only going to have people who are as sick as I am or as well as I am. And as long as I continue to engage in relationships 
<clears throat> well, I was still so sick. Well, my ideals were still, still so warped. Well, these things were not straight in me. And it says we ask God to mold our ideals and have, help us to live up to them. I thought God was supposed to fix the other person, and then I'd be great because I deserved a break because of what I'd been through, you know. So to be able to have a way to shape a sane and sound ideal and have help living up to it was an amazing idea for me, and it took a very long time. I had to take time out. I took a couple, two and a half years, I think it was, out from relationships and allowed myself to learn how to have, well, you know, sex relationships, um, and allowed myself to learn other relationships. I had to shape a, have God shape a sane and sound ideal <clears throat> for my relationship with food. God had to have a sane and sound relationship for my friendship. You know, I needed that ideal for my family. I needed it for a relationship with myself, with God. You know, there were a lot of relationships, and if you watch children, they have a lot of relationships before they get to a normal life, um, having a relationship with a significant other where there's sex involved. And I had to start over, and I had to see myself as a child and allowing myself to slowly grow up, to learn how to share the sandbox and not put sand in other kids' eyes and, you know, not take things over and... You know, was it selfish or not? You know, to be able to have these specific questions was extremely helpful. And today, I've Honestly. been in a relationship. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll wrap up. Um, anyways, 10 years later, not a single fight, and life is awesome. Um, thank you, family. Sharon B. from Michigan. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, Jen A., you're up, and then we should have time for a couple more. Go ahead, Jen. Go. Thanks, Katie. Good morning. This is Jen A. Um, I'm recovered in Littleton, Colorado this morning. And uh, shaping. Wow. <laughs> I'm a pretty selfish person at this point in the inventory. When I first went through it with my sponsor a few years ago, I remember, you know, he said, sit down. And he goes, this week, what you're going to do when we get to this paragraph is you're going to go home and I want you to make a list of all, all the qualities and the things that you want in a partner. See, he had he he knew me really well because he had just heard my fifth step inventory um, uh, prior to because we did this afterwards. I didn't do it in order. Just note to self, don't forget to do this. Go back and do it if you haven't. And so um, we, we were sitting down. He goes, go home and write all this. So I took four pages of notebook paper front to back, and I wrote down everything that I wanted um, in my um, sex relationships, in my relationships with my family, like I was going to make this huge list and do all of this, right? And um, I got back to him the next week, and I sat down in the booth across from him in Panera Bread, and he looks at me and goes, how'd it go? I go, great, look what I did. And I started reading and started reading. He goes, are you done yet? I go, no, I got two more pages. And he gracefully, like with all the grace of God in him, he listened to everything that I had to say. And I flipped to the last page. He goes, is that one blank? I go, yeah. He goes, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down how you're going to show up and how God would have you be. And I was like, oh, that's what this is about? And I love how it says we ask God to mold our ideas and help us live up to them. Not our ideas, our ideals. And I don't know what the ideals are that God has for me, 
If I did, I wouldn't need this program. I'd be able to function normally like my sister who can show up in relationships and not have the kind of problems that I have. And so I basically was like, okay. So I went home and really thought about it. I maybe wrote down like maybe 10 things. And I know today that, you know, it says ask, right? Ask for me is an acronym. A, God gives me an awareness. S, I'm going to seek him out and surrender my will, what I want, my selfish ways, my needs over to a God that cares about me and knows what's best for me. And the K for me means that he's going to give me the knowledge of how to carry that out. And my favorite prayer today when I'm asking God for help and I need to know what these, um, you know, what's ideal for me, whether it's in a work relationship or a boyfriend relationship or relationship with my kids, it's one thing. And I pray it often daily. Thy will, not mine, be done, Lord. See, I want to turn it over to divinity because the divine source is what's brought me here to this place called recovery today. God's the one that's removed the obsession to eat, to exercise, to stick myself with a bunch of needles and drink pills and drink potions and eat pills. I didn't do that. So I know that I need to go back to the source. Ask Jennifer Marie, ask, and God will give you what you need. And my timer's up. Thanks, Amy. I'm Katie, but um, you're, thank you, Jen A. And um, so if you've just joined us, in these last few minutes, we have time for two more shares. If you haven't shared in the last couple of days, on page 69, the second paragraph. Pete B. Pete B. One more. Okay, we'll go ahead, Pete. See if someone else gets the nerve while you're after you talk. Thanks, Katie. I'm assuming you can still hear me. I didn't re-mute or unmute, but anyway, my name's Pete B. Yes. A compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. It's such a great job with the service. And uh, you know, I can remember, um, you know, my initial approach through the 12-step recovery program. It was like I had this intense desire or uh, like need. And even the thought that this process was in place to help me figure out why. Why this? Why that? Why I compulsively overeat? Why I do this way? You know, it, it, this, is, this is not a, an exercise in finding out why, right? We'll learn things about ourselves, right? We'll learn things. We'll learn about the source of these things. And there are outside resources to deal with the why, right? The 12 steps are not the, the tools to, to, to figure out the why, right? It, you know, the, there's a really good essay on the, the fourth step in the AA 12 and 12. And in the AA 12 and 12 on page 53, I think it is, it says the primary fact that we fail to recognize is our total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. We either, we either insist on dominating, and I'm paraphrasing here, we either insist on dominating other people or we depend far too heavily on other people, right? So what this is saying and what this process is about is the fact that my, my dependence needs to be on the God of my understanding. 
right? Not on other people, right? We're, tr- we're trying to get to a position where, right, my, my uh, you know, what I think about me, right, is far more important than what you think about me, right? That's my problem is that I'm so far, I'm so consumed with what my partners or partners were feeling or doing, can I control, can I manipulate, right? I subject all of my relations now to how I think the God of my understanding would have me act and behave in a relationship, right? And what I learned in this process that relationships, they're not a two-way street. They're not, they're not you, know, uh, you know, it's not a give and take. Relationships are an all give, just like my relationship with God, right? All God does is give. That's all he does is give. And that's what my, my role in my relationships are. It's not about what I'm going to get from something. It's about what I'm going to bring to the equation, just like my functionality in 12-step recovery programs. It's not about, oh, I need to get to a meeting. I need to get something. So what I can go and bring to the, the meeting, right? And when I, when I look at my relations as that, then I always get. Because I'm always bringing, right? And the last thing I'm going to say is that, that, that you know, again, ideals, right? My, my ideals, they evolve over time. As my relationship with the God of my understanding evolves, so do my ideals evolve. And it's designed that way. We need to constantly reevaluate, reassess where we are because I'm a different person. I'll be a different person a year from now than I am today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks again for taking the meeting. Thank you, Pete. Okay, we have two minutes if someone would like to take that. Hi, my name is Marie Compulsive Overeater. Go ahead, Marie. Thank you. Um, uh, relationships. I came on a little bit late. Um, and I'm just going to share as honestly as I could. Um, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I'm having trouble developing a relationship with a sponsor. And I have talked to some lovely, lovely people. And I keep, I love, well, I'm looking to learn what I'm going to get because I had a great sponsor who was really lovely and gave me such great basic basics and she was vision for you and she spoke so beautifully and anyway I want the same kind of sponsor she she had to stop being my sponsor because she had a relapse and I want her to be my sponsor so no one that I speak to can replace her in my mind and that's been the same with relationships throughout my life this is not new Um, and so I'm just, I'm sharing that because um, I think I need a new outlook. I need a sponsor. I've been, I've been in program uh, cleanly for six months um, and I'm working the program on my own now, which I'm single. I've been single for many, many years and I'm used to working whatever it is by myself. And I just realized as I heard the last little bit of sharing, I'm still trying to work the, my program myself. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sharing that relationships are um, about what I can give. And 
my sponsor, whoever that is, wherever I'm going to land with a sponsor, um, I'm going to see how I could do service and I could just pay attention and not try to control the relationship. Um, Time, please. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for jumping in there. Um, and thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, July 7th, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 17,306. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elena C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. Again, my name is Elena C. from Greer, South Carolina, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose, disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in a morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of this spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.